bum bum bottom 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 you want to eat the writer be my guest that will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four color realm. But not on this episode! No! I hope you could tell by our kooky crazy theme music that something very different and pretty special is going on. That's right. It is an ItMod Chatcast crossover event, like uh, the X-Men used to do all the time, and actually still kind of do. Uh, X of Swords, it's happening. Um, you know, Executioner Song, Mutant Massacre, uh, Inferno, all those great X-Men crossover events. It's happening here with the In the Mouth of Dorkness podcast channel, uh, specifically their ItMod Chatcast channel. This is part two of a conversation that we had with the dynamic comic book couple duo Couple duo. Yeah, it's a thing. Liz and Jimmy Reed, also known as Cuddles and Rage, they are here talking about their new graphic novel, Bites of Terror, 10 Frightfully Delicious Tales, published by Quirk Books, available as of this recording today. 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 You should be ordering it. You should already have it. You should have it. And if you don't have it, uh, we'll wait for you. You can order it right now, and then we're just going to give you a little break, and we'll wait. Here we wait. Do you have it? You better have it. You better have it because this conversation is really, really cool. We are so glad that we can call Liz and Jimmy our friends. We've because they're so much cooler they're, than us. They're way cooler than us. Way, way cooler than us, as you'll hear in this interview. Uh, we've known them since... Uh, we met them at Small Press Expo in Bethesda, Maryland, one of mm -hmm. our favorite comic book conventions. Uh, and then they became uh, members of the Secret Society of Film Masons at the Alamo Draft House in Ashburn. And through that club, we became even closer friends. And suddenly they started making really rad art. Actually, they were already making really rad art, but then that really rad art became even more rad, radder, and it has come to fruition as Bites of Terror. I would say uh, that we were into Cuddles and Rage before they were cool. Yes. But they were always cool. Oh, that's true. They were mm. always cool. Uh, Lisa, how would you describe Bites of Terror? It's kind of a bakery twist on Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, okay, there you go. Instead of the Crypt Keeper, we have the Cake Creeper. Who is very creepy, and he brings us ten deliciously frightful tales of which you will be uh, horrified. Yeah, horrified. But also laugh. But I mean, like that's like that's the beauty of what Cuddles and Rage does. It's all right there in the name, right? It's like, it's very cutesy and lovable and humorous, but there is this grim, dark edge. They've uh, got a dark side. They've got a dark side. That's uh, kind of why we like them. And, well, that's exactly why we like them. Part one of this conversation on the ItMod Chatcast channel was primarily about the craft and construction and the long, arduous journey that it took Liz and Jimmy to bring this book to life. And in part two, what you're going to hear here is, well, we go right for the relationship stuff at the gate. Because why not? Because why not? We're recording. We're recording. Let's get the nitty gritty about their bedroom life. Well, we don't really get into the, <laughs> though I'm sure that there is some sculpting done in the bedroom. There are tools. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, okay, I've embarrassed myself enough, and I think I've embarrassed them enough. Shall we just get into this conversation? Why not? Let's do it. Feels great. Feels great. 
what is the key to um, maintaining a relationship and uh, producing a comic? How real do you want to get, Brad? <laughs> super real. Super real. Because <laughs> Brad and I are I also mean, a couple that works together a lot. So we know what it's like to have creative differences and... And, um, and how it can, bo- you know, bear frustrations and uh, outbursts uh, 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 as a result. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's so nice to hear. Um, I think that we have gotten better over the years. I think that, um, you know, because we worked together in our day jobs, too, which was a totally different role. Um Maybe we were together in the corporate world, like our, our roles were a lot more defined. And so you could kind of like stay in your lane. But then when you come together in a creative aspect, it, it kind of gets all blurry um, together. So I, I think early on, um, I was maybe overly hypercritical or, or, or too sensitive. And um, I think over time, we, we've learned how to um, kind of build each other up and, and know that, like I tell Jimmy, I'm like, look, you got to praise me. <laughs> like, I don't care if this is just a morning meeting, you need to praise me so I can feel good about my day. And it's just communicating on things like that, um, based on what you need has, has been like so helpful. And at the end of the day, their relationship is what comes first. So even if we have like a big disagreement, um, or if we've been working too hard, because when you live together and you work together, you could be working 24-7. Right. Um, sometimes the best thing you can do is, is stop and watch a movie together and just have that couple of time and know that maybe you might be behind on a deadline, but, you know, our relationship is bigger than our job. Yeah. Do you have, like, set schedules of when you are uh, in creative time versus when you are in, you know, couple time I, there are a couple of set things that we do for the business so we have a meeting every day where we talk through what's coming up it, it gets kind of busier and crazier when we're launching something like so with the book coming up right now we're spending a lot more time working than, than we normally would um, and I still have a day job so we kind of are squeezing these things in around that uh, where we need to collaborate while Liz is carrying this on all day so th- I think the line does get blurrier the, the busier we are for sure it does. Um, and I, I know for me personally, I, um, I was like bred into being a workaholic. My dad was a workaholic <laughs> and I never saw, I never saw him. And so, um, and, and so I just naturally have become a workaholic too. And, um, we've definitely had heart to hearts, um, on, or almost like interventions, if you could say that, um, where I've needed to slow down and kind of be more of a human being with a balanced life versus just working all the time. Cause I, I think the other thing, and, and you guys can relate to this is that, you know, this is for us, this is our passion. This is our life's work. Like we've made a lot of sacrifices to keep going on cuddles and rage. And, and sometimes you feel like if you're not working, then you're they're like, I might not be able to live this dream. And, you know, the fact is that it's, it's that classic of like work smarter, not harder. And I think that's where Jimmy's skill set kind of comes in it and rebalances me. Um, because for me, I'll, I'll work myself ragged, but that's not necessarily going to get you further in life. Mm. So if you were to say, Liz, like what is one of the best lessons you've learned about dealing with workaholism, dealing with that compulsive side of yourself that just needs to 
keep going, like what would that one lesson be? And then Jimmy, what is the number one lesson in dealing with someone who has the kind of anxiety and drive to just keep going? How do you handle someone who is in the midst of their mania? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Liz just stepped out and she's back in. So it's a two-parter. Oh, okay, sorry. We, we're trying to let our dog in the room so you hear less barking. <laughs> Quick, more panting, yeah. So how do you, Liz, how do you kind of manage your, where like you're What's your, your number one lesson you've learned about dealing with your workaholism that you would tell somebody else who is in the same boat? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I will say recently on my own personal podcast, people I think are cool. Mm -hmm. I was shocked that I got, um, David Allen on my podcast. And I don't know if, if you know who that is, he's the founder of getting things done. Oh, wow. And I know I was like, (laughs) me, uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I told him that I, that my podcast hits a demographic that I, I honestly do not think that, um, he's hit before, which is like young females, and, um, I think for me, um, focusing on, um, getting things done and that strategy where it's like, get essentially to sum it up, it's like, get everything that you have to do on paper, get it all out of your mind. And then, um, it just takes this whole load off of you. So when you feel like you're working on something else and, and you're not doing the thousand other things that you need to be doing, that, that stress isn't like haunting you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, I mean, essentially he says your mind is a crappy office, which is true. You know that you, you can repace yourself. All the information is somewhere not to freak out. Um, one part that he doesn't talk as much about in his books, but he does in his personal life is um, a lot of meditation. So honestly, like if, um, Jimmy and I have morning meetings, like at 6am and if that morning meeting has been just like a little overwhelming for me, then I will take, um, 10 minutes of like guided meditation just to reset my day mm-hmm. and, um, focus on what needs to be done. Cause I think if you go from, uh, maybe a, a stressful conversation straight into your work day, then you're not going to be able to release that energy and, and your day is never really going to get better from there. What's your so app? I, What's the app that you use for your meditations? Oh, it's the Gaim app. Oh, nice. Uh, which I'm actually, I don't know if I would recommend it, honestly, because um, you pay you pay for it and you get these basic classes. But then when I see another class I want to take, they're like, upgrade. I'm like, but I gave you my money. <laughs> I am currently <laughs> paying for Headspace. And um, Calm. I'm paying for them both and using neither, but I feel a lot better knowing that they're there. Actually, somebody recommended Headspace to me recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely feel like I should check that out, especially just it just keeps popping popping up on every podcast I listen to and on social media. Now through you. Yeah. So now Jimmy. I'm so sorry. Like our dog is, is sick today. Oh, and no. so, yeah, she's um she's been a little bit more hands-on she has a food allergy that we haven't been able to figure out what's the particular food that makes her really sick yeah and so whatever food I tested her out on yesterday has actually made her very sick oh and so um yeah I'm sorry I don't mean to make this interview a bit more complicated for you guys but that's okay we we care about our furry 
furry friends and in situations where it's just like, damn it, if only dogs could talk and just tell, tell, tell I know, you. I know. Um, I've, I'm a hands-on mom or, um, <laughs> like I think earlier today, Jimmy was like, if you, if you had a baby, you would like, you would have such anxiety. I was like, I would, I would like anything that's wrong with Biscotti or dog. I'm like, I have to Google it. I have to make sure she's comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are, you know, one of the most compassionate uh, humans that I know, especially yes. when it comes to animals. And you know, the, it shows right here in the book because you dedicate the book to London. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. You're going to make me cry. Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't want to do that, but like, no, no, that's okay. It's good tears, good tears. I've learned in my, the older I get, the more I cry happy tears, which um, it's it's an odd feeling. I don't know if you guys are happy tears people yet we're, in We life. cry all the time. We're full-time, we're full-time weeping. For sure. Oh, okay, good. Because I've usually just been sad tears, but so I've discovered this joy late in life. But um, no, I, I think I cry happy tears now when I think of London. But yeah, we dedicated this book to our dog, um, because she passed away in the making of it. And that was, uh, for me personally, it was, it was, um, traumatic for both Jimmy and I. Uh, but for me, I, I revolved my life around her. Um, and, and so that was just a huge life change on top of taking on this massive project. Um, and you know, sometimes like, for example, I was writing Reap What We Sow, like right after, uh, we had to say goodbye to her and my first draft of it, I sent it to our editor and he was like, this is more sad than horror. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the mourning process. <laughs> Do you think that it's that compassionate side that makes you take your angst out on food versus <laughs> human beings or animals in your books? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I know number one, like we actually don't include any meat products in our books. Um, not necessarily because we're vegan or vegetarian, um, because we're not like I, I actively try and, um, lean towards a vegan diet, but I, I do eat meat and dairy and all that. Um, but we just think like the, there's not a lot of humor in using, um, a meat product as a joke. I mean, right. cause when you, when you think about where it comes from, we've been to a lot of Morrissey concerts. So when you think about where it comes from, um, it, it's actually really sad. So I think in our, we, we have compassion in the sense that we, we don't want to um, use any animal products. I guess uh, milk and cheese, you know, if we're not like, we're more vegetarian in our joke, tearing them, telling them vegan. Um, so we have compassion there. And I think in terms of um, telling jokes about people, let's be real. People are harder to draw than food. So that's, that's the only reason why they're saved. <laughs> uh, but, but, well, to your point, though, like it's a different thing to see an orange turn to jelly than like a ham slice turned to jelly right right like it's it would be yeah. it would be very different uh and i had not ever noticed that before or even thought about oh, that yeah i did oh you had huh well you're smarter than i, I am so. um, but cheese cheese will get tortured all day long <laughs> sorry <laughs> but you do get into the weird z's of like okay all of your characters are food then what's a pie well, you, <laughs> you know, like you have a very specific yeah. story that yeah, addresses like, that directly. I, I love that that you did address that issue in this in Bites of Terror, getting questions answered. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, that's where I think playing with food in the horror genre gets to be so fun. Um, because you can take it to places that you could never take a, a human story to. It just wouldn't make sense. Uh, yeah. And, and like, but like, I, I don't want to spoil anything about I that know, it's story. Hard. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it. I, just trust us, listeners. Get to the pie story. Get to the pie story. <laughs> I think it would be hard for anybody to pick up this book and not just, oh, I'm going to make a pun. It wasn't on purpose. Like, just devour it. Oh, it, it, thank you. Well, and by I, the way, the story that you're referencing was, I think, my favorite one to make. It was the one that we were working on right until Fantastic Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, when we came up with that concept, I was just so excited to to cover this, like, subgenre of horror um, because it just, it worked so well with food, which I, I, I'm sure is maybe boring to somebody who doesn't know what we're talking about, but yes, read that story. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so my favorite. Now that Jimmy's back. Oh yeah. I'm back. Back uh, in the hot seat. You walked out on a two part question though. No. We understand. And we hope that your puppy feels better very soon. Um, so yeah. what, what lessons have you learned and what would you tell someone who is dealing with a person who has workaholism and this compulsive need to continue to work like what management skills have you gained just so you know i'm listening very closely to this that's right We're, we want to start a fight on air let's go <laughs> no 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 he he okay sorry i'm like this is typical like hop partner like i'm hopping in before you can answer mm-hmm. um but I, I love hearing his perspective on this because i think out of anybody i've ever met like this is like Jimmy's talent. Like he he specializes in this question. So go ahead, Jimmy. Thanks for okay. Now there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Liz is definitely one of the hardest working people that I know. Not just from like the need to work, but the drive to do things and to make things. And it, it, that's awesome. Like I mean, that's one of the reasons why I I feel like we came together is like we both want to go make stuff, and she's got to drive for that. And and so the the balance for me is not getting in the way of that. It's trying to make sure that we're communicating. So if it's kind of going too far, and it's you know ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night, she's still going working on something. Just making sure that we're communicating, and I'm sharing that with her. Or if it's been going on for a while, so for like a weekend on this or something, just being able to communicate that and see where she needs my help to mm-hmm. sort of recognize the pattern and, and make sure she gets breaks for herself. Because you need those too. Like you need to be able to kind of take the foot off for a minute. No! Yeah, just so you can recharge. <laughs> and, I know. <laughs> um, but in, in terms of kind of like trying to help combat this together, because a lot of times you're working on something we're both trying to accomplish you know, my goal is to find a way to figure out what we really want and make sure that the work we're doing is achieving what we're after and not just kind of filling time by, by doing things that won't maybe have as big of an impact. So I've tried to take and and help as much as possible. Um, but I think that's kind of where our morning conversations come in too. just kind of getting the scope of, of, you know, we write things, we make videos, we do all this stuff trying to make sure that we have a good focus on what we're trying to accomplish. I think knowing what you're trying to achieve gives you a clear goal of what you're trying to get done. And I don't know if that's helped you to like kind of target what you're working on or if it still feels like an endless, I must be working all the time. I don't know. Uh, yes. No, that's helpful for me um, because I feel like I've never considered myself a perfectionist because I, it just doesn't connect with me. But um, when I see how much time I'm spending on like one item, 
And, you know, like, Jimmy could be like, that pizza crust looks fine. I'm like, but it needs extra shading. <laughs> you know, he, he kind of helps put it into perspective if I'm um, hyper-focused on one thing. And he often talks about swim lanes and me having to come up for air and noticing where I am. You can explain that better. I just know I'm well, swimming yeah. all the time. And I don't remember where I heard this, but I think it's such a good analogy for it, is if you're just swimming constantly and your head's down and you're just concentrating on the strokes, then you don't really know where you are sometimes. And so taking those minutes to look up and say, all right, I'm working on all this stuff right now, but am I going where I'm trying to go and kind of get your head out of the water for a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps just make sure you're going the right way. At least figure out how far you got from where you started. Yeah. Which, um, so talking so closely in the making of this book, because we, we had to get it done. Like you, time isn't endless when it, when you have a book deadline, um, it's really strengthened us, and I'm, I'm excited about our next projects that we're working on because they're going to be a thousand times more efficient, and the communication there has gotten gotten stronger. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to go back to that first date and bonding over horror. Uh, how important is it to you uh, that you share this passion together? I mean, to me, it's the, I don't want to say it's the most important thing, but it kind of is, uh, because I had never met somebody who loved horror as much as me, and I feel like sometimes when I share that to people, that's shocking, because they're like, you're a girl that loves horror, and there are lots of guys that love horror. Not necessarily, not in the same way that I love horror, where I was basically like, bottle fed on it from my mom from, <laughs> from like a really young age. Um, it's part of my identity. And when I went on a date with Jimmy and he told me he went to horror conventions, I was like, oh, my God, this is love. (laughs) Like, I've never been to one. Tell me all about it. And and then when I went to his place later, y'all, and I saw that he had all these, like, Japanese horror films, I was like, okay, tonight's going to get interesting. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Jimmy? What was it like to meet your dream girl who loves horror? I think, I mean, it was amazing. Like, and, and I love that we share that together. You know, I said earlier that we could watch a, a movie every day, and it's so fun, even if the movie's not that great, to be able to share that with Liz and kind of look at that together and have fun with it, but also kind of learn from it together. Because I feel like all this cuddles and rage work we're doing is, is us. It's ours. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty vital to me, like in, in our relationship, I and mean, just kind of how we came up through this whole thing together is just our love of seeing things and making things and getting to share that with each other. Well, and I think with horror specifically, when you hear people analyze it and how often horror stories are just allegories, um, I think the coolest thing, the coolest thing you can do with your partner is to watch a movie together and then dissect it together afterwards. Mm. Um, because oftentimes we come away with different perspectives and that's how you can learn something new about somebody that you've been with for like 10 or 20 years and uh, that you might have never asked in just a natural conversation. I don't know. Have you guys experienced that with any movies you've seen? Oh, without a doubt. I think, uh, honestly, the my relationship with Lisa has uh, changed my mind on films. Uh, my, my relationship with films has evolved through conversation. And it's, it's always interesting to me that, like, I'll come out of a film by myself I'll think about it. I'll talk with Lisa about it. She'll watch it. And then she'll show me what I missed or a, a, a thematic angle that 
that she picked up on that I did not, and suddenly I grow more affectionate for that piece of art. This is what I got from what Liz was saying, but it's like um, talking about movies or books or any kind of media is kind of like a back door into talking about the big things in life. Sure. Talking mm-hmm. about uh, the female gaze or talking about death or talking about like mortality fears and things like that. We talk about them first through stories. Oh, yeah. And I think it's a lot safer, too. Um, I I mean, this might be getting a little too deep, but I feel like sometimes the closer you are to somebody, sometimes the harder it is to express your deepest thoughts because you know how they'll affect them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you can speak about those things through a third party, (laughs) like a movie, Mm -hmm. uh, then it it can kind of like break that barrier and, and allow you to share your feelings in a way that um, works for both of you. So not long ago, Liz said, let's watch something lighthearted. And the movie she picked was Salo. <laughs> hey, man, I think that if you approach it with a light heart, you can get, it, like, you can get a good time out of it. And we enjoyed it. We were shocked. We sh- we we were sh- I was shocked. I had no idea what it was about. Like I, like, I just went into it knowing that, like, everybody talks about this film. And then within the first 30 minutes, I was like, what is going on? He's like, you picked this film. That, that is all on you. That brought about some conversations that I don't think either of us thought we were going to have. No, <laughs> no. But it, I, well, hey, can I turn this table on y'all for a second? Sure. Um, so when you're talking about just kind of like finding a balance of like work with your um, partner and everything, like, how does how has that played out in y'all's relationship? Well, if we talk about CBCC, Like, specifically, I'm definitely the one who will be in the swimming lane. And I will go sit down to do my notes, and my notes will take me uh, six hours or eight hours. Six hours if we're lucky. (laughs) And Brad is definitely the one who is better at looking looking at things in the bigger picture and going, like, it's better to just get it done sometimes. And, um, well, I have trust in that the conversation will come, the analysis will come as we're doing it. Whereas Lisa wants to have all her thoughts laid out before we ever hit record. Uh, Yeah. I like to, I like to have an answer for everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think having deadlines is important and especially lately with Sundance and trying to get that writing done and, and Brad's had now two columns added to his docket at FSR, like going like, okay, it's better to just get something out than be overly precious. And this thing be perfect. This podcast episode be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, we haven't gotten our episode out this week. No, no. We're going to record that tomorrow, Lisa. We're We're going to record that tomorrow. tomorrow. I have a deadline. My notes are done. Yeah, your notes are done. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I can say that you guys have inspired me, especially with my podcast, um, to not be as precious, um, because it, it is about the content. Like you guys record your interviews in a variety of places and I'll sit there and I'll be enjoying an interview. Um, and maybe the room is echoey, but it doesn't really matter. It's a great interview. Um, so that, that saved me some time on my process where you're just like, look, (laughs) you don't have to tweak the audio for an hour. (laughs) Just, just get it out there and, and let it be. 
Well, and I'm sure that loses some people. Like I, I feel like uh, a, a certain audience member might listen to one of our um, uh, our projection room conversations where it is like tremendously echoey, and the the other person in the interview is the AC. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, the other person who's just like, oh, my God, I want to hear them talk to uh, Emilio Estevez. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You got Emilio Estevez there. Who cares if the AC is loud? But the most important thing with, like, our, uh, our interview podcasts is that um, ultimately we want the conversation first over all things. And we care about more about having... A conversation with somebody cool about their creative process more than we even want anybody to listen to it. That's a fact. <laughs> we, we just want an excuse to talk to super cool people like you guys and pick their brains because having these conversations is what fuels us to, to keep going right. and keep coming up with new ideas. Yeah, leeching off the passion of cuddles and rage. We're just succubi <laughs> and incubuses. Well, I think I think that mirrors perfectly into our conversation about working with your partner yeah. and, and that it does boil down to the most important thing for us is that experience of working together and bonding and making each other laugh. Um, like today, I reread the book and the jokes that I laughed the hardest <laughs> at were jokes from Jimmy. And, and to me, you know. I love that this book is going out to the into the world and that people are going to enjoy it. But what I cherish most is that time that he and I got to spend together um, learning more about each other and making each other laugh the whole time. So you're right. Like it, it's about the experience of those conversations. Man, well, you know, just a huge congratulations to the two of you for getting Bites of Terror out there into the world. Uh, I mean, it's a tremendous book. I think it is going to hit real well. And it's so you guys. Like, you have honed this brand that is so individual that I, nobody, nobody, you have cornered the market on cute food-related horror. And I hope that you can stake your claim to that for as long as possible because we love it. Thank you. I, I hashtag food horror all the time. <laughs> So where can our listeners track you down online? Uh, the book's going to be uh, in stores and online on uh, the 24th of March. Uh, but what if we want to continue the journey beyond the book with Cuddles and Rage? All right. So since we're workaholics, there are lots of places. Uh, first, I'm just going to, like, first off, I'm going to start off. We have a lot of events coming out. Um, so especially if you're in like the MDVA area, we're going to be at Fountain Books on March 28th uh, and we're going to be having a, a signing there and doing like a little presentation. Um, we'll also be at last weekend with Yay! you guys. Uh, we have a, a special event that hasn't been announced publicly yet, but I think by the time this comes out, it will be um, it'll be on March 26th. We're doing a uh uh, Beetlejuice event presented by Cuddles and Rage, which Very is great. Cool. I feel like I'm doing my numbers like how my uncle would say, like Cajun style, where I'm doing it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, but uh, we'll have a whole list of places that will be on our website. Like, we're going to be at Mocha in New York. Um, we're going to have an event at Phantom Comics. Like, I, I think this whole experience with this book is, is, 
has been definitely different than our picture books because like we're, we're popping up everywhere. Um, you know, trying to show people our process in person and bringing the book to life for people. Um, and Jimmy, I'll let you cover like the social on the website and stuff. Yeah. We're couples and rage pretty much everywhere. We post mostly Instagram, Twitter. We've got a website, cuddlesandrage.com. There's some behind the scenes stuff there from the book. Yeah, we have bitesofterror.com where you can find behind the scenes stuff. And especially if you look closely at some of the images um, and and if it's so small, you can't see the joke, go to our website and you'll get to have another layer of kind of hidden Easter eggs uh, that we've placed throughout the book that you can see up close. And I will say that now I just joined TikTok. I feel like I'm one of the kids. So I'm having I'm having fun uh, working with that platform and just getting like what's great about that platform is you get to be as weird as possible. So if you're into like super weird, like where is this going? Then definitely follow us on TikTok. Is this the time, Brad? Is this the time where we TikTok? I mean, I think a Cuddles and Rage TikTok is kind of perfect. Yeah. But uh, I'm not getting on TikTok anytime soon. <laughs> so prideful. No. Oh, my gosh. You should. It's the fastest growing platform. So oh. I I would be disappointed if you guys didn't do it. Does that does that make you want to do it now, my disappointment? Oh, damn. <laughs> I guess I'll get on TikTok. I was on Snapchat for a hot minute. He was. Yeah, it was too. And then it was like, okay, I don't, I don't understand where to swipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jimmy and Liz, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. We're super excited about Bites of Terror. We were already ready for the Cake Creeper sequels. Yes, please. Uh, I'm really w- waiting for the Cake Creeper Funko Pops. Hell so, yeah. uh, get in touch with those guys. <laughs> wow, you just raised your head up from a swim lane that I didn't even know we had. Oh, wow. you do. <laughs> Funko uh, needs a cake creeper. Yes, please. Can, can I say like a little heartfelt mos- message back to you guys? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, sure. <laughs> We're boys. Whatever. We have another podcast to record. My so love language is my... words of affirmation, so I am I'm nom nom nom. Well, I just think it's been so special having you guys as our friends. Um, all the work that you've been doing together uh, inspires us so much. Yeah. And I feel like for your listeners who are looking to become uh, a bit more creative in their life, um, they should definitely find friend groups um, who will push them forward. Because I, I don't, I strongly believe that we wouldn't be where we are today with um, without being friends with you guys and, yeah. and having the work that you create, even though it's not the same type of work. It just inspires us to keep going. And, um, you should always surround yourself with, um, creatives cause, um, that's how you're going to survive in this hard industry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for that. And I, you know, agree with that a hundred percent. I look around at, uh, our little, uh, salon. Sa- salon, you know, we've got our it mod guys, Darren and Brian, you know, there's Ryan and Emily, you know, there's just so much creative energy, uh, around you, you just need to go out and find it and surf it. Yeah, surf that yep. creative energy. Surf that creative energy. Well, yep. There you go. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to see you guys soon. Yeah. 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 Ditto. Ditto. Aww. And we're back. Yeah. I think if you if you press if you press your ear to the to the pod to the podcast. Yeah, I'm doing it. 
You can hear biscotti in the background. Oh, biscotti. That's their, that's their dog. It's so sweet. Yeah, they're having dietary distress, but she's doing much better now. Yeah. Yeah, and as you probably also could tell, we recorded that interview well before any of the COVID-19 stuff went down. But don't worry. We had condoms pulled over our microphones. Oh, it was yeah. very safe. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing got passed through the mics. Uh, but yes, our thanks to Liz and Jimmy, uh, Cuddles and Rage, for coming on to the podcast, for doing this crossover with the In the Mouth of Darkness podcast as well. We super appreciate it. We're really, really, really excited for them and for the release of Bites of Terror. And yeah, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they made me into a bagel. They and, did. Uh, you know, I now have my own comic book character. I'm off page. You're mentioned, though. There's a Lisa mentioned. I know, but I know that I'm the second favorite but spouse. I, I imagine you're some kind of cookie because the person, like the, 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 the creature that's calling your name in the book is a cookie. So I imagine cookies hang out with each other. Although in Bites of Terror, all kinds of baked goods hang out with all kinds of different baked goods. As long as whatever food... Item I am, I I just hope she's hot. She's hot and definitely delicious. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> oh, guys, 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 guys. Quirk Books, Bites of Terror. Go get it. Go support Cuddles and Rage. Go send your words of affirmation to them on all their social medias at Cuddles and Rage. They're on TikTok now. You should be watching all of those. It's like they're young. It's like they're young. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Cuddles and Rage, Facebook, Cuddles and Rage. Find them all there. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Me? I'm always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxed. I, I accidentally did the wrong outro. Wrong podcast, Lisa. That's A-OK. But they can still find you on Letterboxd, Lisa. Don't forget, you can email the podcast by writing to cbccpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And we are bringing you two podcasts this week. How great is that? I think that means you need to drop two reviews on iTunes. Ooh. Two five-star reviews. Tell our listeners, tell all the people who haven't listened to us yet that we are rad, almost as rad as Cuddles and Rage. We really appreciate it. Brad. Yes. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? You can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. And be sure to be on the lookout next week. We are coming back to our program with a new couple Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. We're going to break into their relationship using the graphic novel Batman, Harley and Ivy, written by Paul Denny and illustrated by Bruce Tim. The Harley and the Ivy, when they were both full grown. It's not Christmas anymore. And it's Harley, Lisa, not Holly. That song makes no sense. No wood. sense whatsoever. The Harley wears the crown. Oh, you made it work. You made it work. <laughs> <laughs> there we I'm go. I'm tired. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Hopefully we'll be bringing you more comic book interviews in the near future. Yes. And until next time, take care. No, keep your love tank full. Oh, right, right, right. Keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. It's not nearly midnight while we're recording this. You are listening to another edition of How Does This Go? <laughs> you are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Galson. That's it. I'm Brad Gullickson. Okay. Shall we do this again? Yeah. <laughs>